On the show today, we are diving into how to make the most of your website so it's a profitable business asset. Welcome to JFTI with the two Lauras. Before we get started, we wanted to give a big shout out to our sponsors at Agora Pulse. If you're looking for the best tool to help you with your social media marketing, you should definitely check them out and we'll pop a link in the show notes. On the show today, we are diving into one of the most important business assets a freelancer can own, your website. Now, over the years, Laura and I have had many a website between us, both for our own joint business and our individual freelance businesses, as well as our past ventures. But in all honesty, a lot of the time we were winging it and we don't want you to fall into any of the deep holes that we landed in over the years. A website is a really vital asset to you as a freelancer. And whether you have one or not, you will love this episode. We were joined by Tom Garfield, the co-founder of Brand New Notebook, a micro web design and lead gen agency. And in this episode, you'll hear us talking about why you should have a website, whether you should go for WordPress or Wix, which might surprise you what he says. And he shares some lovely little sneaky tips to get more traffic and convert that traffic into leads. So I'm Tom Garfield. I am a web designer and marketer. I own and co-founded, recently we rebranded actually, um, an agency, a micro-agency, me and my wife Ellie, called Brand New Notebook. And we're all about helping solo and small businesses to kind of punch above their weight with websites that are built to do the thing they want them to do, which is basically to get more inquiries, more leads, more sales, more signups, more subscribers. So we take a bit of a conversion-focused approach to websites. We don't just make websites look pretty. We're there to you know make them look pretty, but also do the thing. So nice. uh, yeah, that's what we're all about. Love that. There's too many pretty websites out there that don't do anything. Yeah, yeah that's my thing. And right, so let's just start from the very let's start from the very beginning. Love- <laughs> Do you not know the sound of music? You're just both staring I, at me. No. <laughs> well, I know I the film. I'm just, just both hoping you won't <laughs> sing anymore. <laughs> so uh, we see a lot of people when they set up as a freelancer, solopreneur, self-employed, whatever we want to call them, they, and especially in our field, obviously social media marketers, they go all in on their socials, hopefully, not always, but sometimes they, and they, the website kind of gets forgotten and there's lots of people Mm. who don't set up a website. And like, for me, that's quite an alien concept because when I started, that was what I did first. And it wasn't, it was, if I look back now, probably a really crap website. It was pretty, but it probably wasn't particularly functional, but it was, in my opinion, better than nothing. So would you say that having something is better than nothing. Mm. So I think sometimes it's it's better to have nothing. It depends on the quality of the something, doesn't it? Because sometimes I think it can even do the opposite and, and you can lose a bit of credibility, I think. So as freelancers and as, as sort of solo businesses, I think we're always kind of fighting this perception that we're not as legit as we really are a lot of times we'll get clients and they'll sort of see us as a pair of extra pair of hands when we see ourselves as legitimate business owners right so there's always that battle and i think sometimes when you've got a website or you're running social media account and you're marketing yourself if you have a website that doesn't do you justice that's only going to make it worse so if someone lands on your website and they are seeing lots of clunky bits, lots of errors, it doesn't look very well put together in some way, they're going to 
their, their assumption that you're kind of a, like a part-time kind of nothing business, mm-hmm. you're not really taking yourself seriously, you're going to be fighting that uphill battle. So, yeah, I think when you're first starting out, definitely better to have something than nothing, but that something still has to be good. And in order to make that something as good as you can, don't be over ambitious with your something. Just get a really nice, <laughs> clean, simple digital business card, if you like, that is just going to look the part. Don't try to do too much too soon. And then, yeah, you're going to you're gonna look more legitimate. But the, the big mistake I see is when people try to, I guess, overdo it with a bit less expertise than they need. So if somebody was just starting out and they are not tech savvy, they haven't got a big budget to have that all singing, dancing website at the beginning, what would they need on it to keep it simple, to, but to make them look legitimate? Yeah. So I get this question a lot, actually. And it's really, really important to keep things pared down a bit. So I would say if you've already got like a brand, then that's great. If you don't have any branding, then keep it simple to one or two fonts that are easy to read, a couple of colours that are clear and not sort of, you know, sometimes you get these really lovely pastel colours, which are nice, but sometimes when you put white text over the top of them or you have big blocks of them, they end up looking a bit washed out. So that can sometimes look a bit unprofessional. So, and, and also like really scripty fonts, like that are quite hard to read. Now they look nice, but again, they're quite hard to read. So you want to try and make your website as clear as possible. So keep it consistent, really consistent fonts, really consistent colors, a clean and simple layout. Don't try to add in loads of graphics and stuff. I mean, if you're a designer, it's different. If you're like a graphic designer or you're used to using social media design software like Canva or something, and you are confident there, that's fine. But if you're not, if you're a writer or if you're something else, then Play to your strengths. Keep your site nice and simple. A nice introduction page that clearly states who you are and what you do. Come down to a little bit more about you. Make sure you get testimonials and case studies in there. Clearly describe your services. Don't get too clever with the words. Again, if you're a writer, you've got a bit more skill in that area, so that's fine. If you're not a writer, just keep it simple. Just keep it like, this is me. This is who I am. Nice to meet you. This is what I can do for your business. And start with that. And then from there, as you grow in your business, as you continue to improve and you continue to kind of um, adapt your your business as it grows, because I think whenever we start a business, what it looks like in six months is going to be pretty different, even even six months. And just just keep that in mind, because then you just have a platform that's nice and simple and consistent without it getting away from you. I think sometimes our websites can get away from us and they become these big beasts that we just can't do anything with. Laura and I have a very strong stance on this. And I wondered what your stance is on whether you should put your prices on your website. And I think I know your answer because I'm sure I've seen you talk about this on LinkedIn before. But I'd love, do you think that you should put prices on a website? Yes. Um, I think I've got a bit of a rule of thumb. It's almost like a phrase that I've started to use over and over again. So maybe it's like my pricing catchphrase now. Um, if you can, you should. And if you can't, you probably can. And you're just kidding yourself. So. <laughs> Some people use the excuse that, you know, all my all my stuff is bespoke and I put together kind of um, bespoke packages or bespoke things for tailored, tailored stuff. And that's true. Very true. But there's not you don't do something for 20 quid for one client and 70,000 pounds for another client. There is a range there somewhere. We all have we all operate in some range. You know, your if you take 80 percent of your clients, they'll probably be inside a range of a few thousand pounds, something like that. So 
I think transparency, and this is wider than pricing, but I think transparency is really, really key for websites, is when someone lands on the site, they want certain information. They want to know who you are, what you do, how much it costs, and whether or not you're right for them. Now, people tend to get a bit scared of putting that information out there, maybe for fear of putting people off, but you're only going to put the wrong people off doing that, and that's fine. You want to put the wrong people off. This is what we talk about all the time, isn't it, that you know, you don't put your prices out there and then you end up wasting hours and hours of your life on discovery calls with people who can't afford you. So actually putting a, like we would often say, like a starting from price, um, mm. it, at least that filters out the people who can't afford you. So you don't have to waste valuable time on calls with people who would never have even got on a call with you if mm. they'd have, if you'd seen the prices. And it's better to spend spend the time with the people who can afford you and do want to work with you and do understand the value in what you give than people who are constantly just going to be questioning the value, can't afford it, then dump you after four weeks because yep. you've not suddenly got them to 10K followers on Instagram. You know, it's it's mm. so important. And for me, you know, we did this the other day, didn't we, Laura? We went on a um, someone's website and we wanted to find the price of something they were offering. Couldn't find it couldn't find it and it was just some, it just put us off we were actually quite keen to know more and there was no price and you had to yeah. inquire and it's just like i don't want to i'm busy i've got too much i want to be able to make a decision and people always say if there's no price you can't afford it don't they mm. if you've got to ask for the price you probably can't afford it that's what my mum used to say <laughs> so it does put people off doesn't it I'll give you a really good example of why why that works because it worked for me. So I recently last week I put a post up. It was a really off the cuff um, post. I hadn't planned to do it. It was just I was sitting there thinking about it and I thought I'm just going to tell people my price range and just put it out there. Now since then that post got did quite well. A lot of people said, "Wow, that's really great." It's inspired other people to do the same, which is really really cool. But also I've had value from that in unexpected ways i've had two web design agencies contact me to say we actually are in sort of a price bracket slightly above you and we get a lot of inquiries that aren't suitable for us are you okay if we refer them to you wow happy days nice so yeah. that's amazing and i've also had some people come to me to say thank you for putting your prices out there it's really hard to like know if i'm charging right the right amount or not um you've given me some confidence to like go with my pricing and kind of go now i didn't put any detail in that i didn't say you know i, I said we typically charge somewhere between three and six thousand pounds for website projects now i didn't say what kind of websites and the size of the websites but i do think people get a sense of where you are in the marketplace and it gives people other people confidence to say okay cool well maybe i'm charging no i still don't know if i'm charging enough or too or too much I, I don't really know i know i know that our clients are happy with our work and i know that our clients are happy to pay that amount but i think it's always an evolving thing but being transparent is just it's definitely going to come back and and be beneficial in the long run for you in, in ways you probably don't even realize yeah no i agree um so kind of back to the people who are questioning whether to have a website or they know that they want to have a website, but they just don't know where to start. Can we have a bit of a chat about the different options out there? Like I've been there, like my first website was Wix. Same. And then I ended up on a WordPress site. There's lots of people who certainly in our communities talk about Squarespace as well, which isn't one that I know much about, but not that I know much about any of them, but 
like where are you at what are the pros and cons how are, how are people going to make a good decision of to whether to go for something like wix you know the drag and drop or or wordpress like what would you advise people to do mm. so if you're going to build your own website don't use wordpress unless you know what you're doing so wordpress is a great tool it's predominantly for developers and designers it's predominantly for mm-hmm. developers actually but there are options inside wordpress for you to build your own sites using no code solutions now those solutions are still inside wordpress and there's a lot of other stuff that goes with wordpress that you have to know about so it's all there's no hosting option inside wordpress for you to set up you have to go and find a website host you have to set all of that up you have to configure your domain yourself there's a lot more to wordpress than just the building of the website so all of that stuff if you use something like Squarespace or Wix, is taken care of in a nice, neat package. There are plenty of limitations with Squarespace and Wix. You can't customise it in the same way that you can a WordPress website. There aren't the same number of options for things like integrations and plugins and stuff like that. But if all you need is like a five to six page, pleasant looking, information based website with pictures, videos and text, and maybe a couple of little bits and pieces like you know contact forms and the standard stuff you'd expect on a website then you're way better off going down the squarespace and wix route because it takes all of the technical headache away that doesn't mean there's no learning curve and again this is like a big assumption and squarespace and wix are probably guilty of their advertising being a little bit misleading here they make it sound so easy all you do is pop on log in put it all together job done published choose the template off you go that's true to that extent but you still need to know how to write you still need to know what looks good you still need to have some form of structure in place for your website to say where do we start how do we guide people on that journey from landing on my website to doing the thing i want them to do which is converting in some way so either um, making an inquiry through a form or calling you or subscribing or following on social whatever it is you want them to do those principles are still doesn't matter what builder you use learning the fundamental principles of good web design and good i guess like sales really it's sales and marketing it's you're landing yeah. on the website and that website is a pitch really it's here to say this is me this is who i am this is what i can do for you how about it so the, the answer to your question is if you're going to build your website yourself go down the squarespace or wix route there's a not really much in it between the two i tend to favor squarespace um just because i i know it better the other thing I'd say is just be careful of things like sometimes when you set up a Wix website, it has that like proudly built with Wix tagline on it and stuff. And again, that just decreases yeah. your legitimacy a bit. And, you know, uh, you go on it and you think, is it proudly built with Wix? Is that really what you want to put out there? <laughs> Are people people going, oh, she, she's built a website with Wix. That's brilliant. So there's little bits and pieces that just give you away a little bit. They can be got rid of. But yeah, build your own site, use Squarespace or Wix. Don't use WordPress. Do you know what? I love this because usually if we were to ask a web designer this question, they would say WordPress, WordPress all day. You've got to use WordPress. Everything else is crap. Use WordPress. And so when we were coming on to record this, I was a bit like, oh, should we tell Tom that we don't use WordPress? <laughs> because we did use WordPress and we've recently moved to show it just purely because for the ease of being able to do stuff ourselves. Mm. But it's so nice to hear that actually you can just use a simple builder if that's what you need. Because yeah. I think obviously some of those tools are just knocked all the time and they do have a place, don't they? So I think that's great. They completely do. Yeah. There's no point using WordPress if if all you need is something really like straightforward like that. Mm. There are, I mean, there are some reasons, like there are things you can do with WordPress that you can't do. So it is down to your individual businesses and what you want to achieve out of those businesses and, and if there's any tech requirements. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with Squarespace and Wix. Don't let people 
shame you into using WordPress. It is interesting though, isn't it? Because this is such, there's a, a lot of heated opinions on this. It's, you know, people can get into proper argument and they have, like we've had to like moderate a thread in our free Facebook group. It was quite a while ago now mm, between mm. two web developers, which I don't even know why they were in there because they're not social media marketers, but, <laughs> and they, it, it got quite, do you remember it, Laura? It got quite no. heated. Oh, and they were really, they got quite personal. It was like, whoa, wow. whoa, 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 whoa. Because yeah, they, they have these very strong opinions. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? I started on Wix because that's what I could afford at the time. And that's, I couldn't afford a, a web developer. I couldn't afford anything else. So all I could afford was to do something myself. And turned out the more that I wanted to develop the website as I got, as my business grew and as I kind of grew in confidence, it became really expensive um, to stick with Wix at the time. And we're, you know, we're talking a long time ago now, but, and it may well be different, but so then it, it, it became, well, hang on, if I'm going to start paying this money and I don't really know what I'm doing, I might as well just make that switch. And I moved over to a WordPress mm. site, which I've literally had built and I've never, ever done anything with it since. Um, but it works yeah. and it gets me leads. And and so it was worth it from a financial perspective to make that a switch. But there was definitely, I remember when I had that Wix site, I remember if I ever spoke to someone, they would, you know, people would really kind of knock it. Oh, oh Wix. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think if you're if you're building your site yourself, WordPress is going to just land you in so much trouble. But if you're working with a professional, that's different. So if you're going to hire someone to build your website, then if you're happy for them to do all of the kind of building and the designing, then WordPress is a fantastic tool to take advantage mm. of because it does offer you so much more. So as your business grows, I, I always I've got this kind of half baked idea for a blog post in my mind, which is about the three stages of having a website which is like starting out kind of running and then like thriving and I do think the platforms can change but I think the question to ask yourself is is it working like I know plenty of people with Squarespace and Wix websites who are generating lots of leads and lots of inquiries and making sales and that's all that really matters isn't it like if yeah. it's doing what we want it to do it doesn't matter what platform it's on and um there are lots of different people, types of people who build websites. You've got designers, you've got developers, you've got people like me. I'm, I'm actually a bit more of a, I'm not really a web developer. I'm a marketer disguised as a web designer, really. Well, that kind of career has been in general marketing. But I think that that's a really important thing because websites are just tools to, you know, it's just a medium to communicate your marketing. And yes, developers are very good at the tech side. And if you've got bigger websites or more complex websites, you need those skills. But I, I'm not a big fan of techie developers gatekeeping websites because they don't have to be these big heavy machines yeah love that so you just said a minute ago that um it doesn't matter where your website is as long as it's working mm. what would you look at to see if your website's working well bottom line tracking literally inquiries line. is really really important <laughs> yeah literally like if you're so i will say though it's quite hard to track sometimes your website plays a part in your overall marketing so in isolation, your website is nothing unless you're sending people to it, unless you're driving traffic to your website, unless you're getting lots and lots of visitors or enough visitors for you. So that means that your wider marketing has to be in place. So your social media, obviously, any SEO that you may do. But basically, if you are driving people to your website and you are getting lots of inquiries, either through your contact form, 
So I don't want to overcomplicate tracking because you can go down the route of very advanced analytics and things like that. But when we're a small business and we don't have time to delve or the, or the experience to delve into complicated reports on our Google Analytics, what we really need to do is take a really simple approach to say, right, are we getting contact forms through? Are we asking people where they found us? Now, I get a lot of LinkedIn DMs for inquiries, but I always ask them if they've been on my website. Nine times out of 10, they have. So what will happen is they'll see me on LinkedIn, they'll connect with me, follow me, do something something around that. They will visit my website, but they'll come back to LinkedIn to make the inquiry or Instagram or wherever. So don't assume that just because they've come through a certain channel means that they haven't paid attention to a website. A lot of people say, oh, my website doesn't really do anything for me. I don't get anything through my website. That may be the case that you don't get direct inquiry forms through your site, but it definitely doesn't mean they're not looking at your website. Um, and if you start asking people, oh, by the way, did you did you happen to look at my website during this kind of inquiry process or when you were looking looking at me? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I really liked it, actually. I thought it was, you know, really good stuff. I get that all the time. That's so interesting because I would never fill out a contact form on a website. Well, I'd very rarely fill out a contact form on a website. And I would do just that. I would check out their website, figure out what they offer, and then I'm more likely to go and send them a DM on whichever mm. social platform that I can see they're active on. So it is, it's a good point that I think we probably all need to be aware of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just ask people, isn't it? They're happy to tell you. I saw you say on LinkedIn recently that you have closed your Facebook page. So mm-hmm. is LinkedIn enough for you to drive website traffic? LinkedIn is, um, it depends on your business. For me, yes. So my audience is predominantly business owners. It's not B2C. Um, so... For me, LinkedIn works really well and Instagram works really well. Um, I was spreading myself too thin trying to be on all the channels. I never really used Facebook for my business. However, if you are a B2C business, Facebook is still, you know, especially for a certain audience, Facebook is still the highest driver of traffic for websites. If you've got the right product, the right service, the right um, the right audience. Because um, LinkedIn and Instagram and all those places, you know, I mean, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram doesn't allow links in posts, does it? So there's certain things that you, you can't do um, that you can do with Facebook, um, especially with paid ads and all of that sort of stuff. So in terms of driving traffic, if you've got if you need high volume traffic from that kind of audience that you think are going to be on Facebook, then, yeah, 100 percent. I think Facebook is great. It's just not for me. <laughs> if only Facebook wasn't for us, eh? I know, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I still like Facebook. I might be one of the only people who do, but... Yeah, no, I do still quite like Facebook. We are, like, diehard from the oh, beginning yeah. kind of Facebook people, though, aren't we? Yeah. Just showing our age there. <laughs> yeah, I remember I got Facebook right, right at the start. I got a Facebook. Um, 2007, I think it was, that I got Facebook and had it ever yeah. since. And, and I, just, I just don't use it. And I was quite glad to be rid of it, really. So have you got rid of your like personal profile as well? Like you're mm, completely off the platform. Wow. It's all gone. Yeah. I don't talk to my mum anymore. <laughs> <laughs> She's sad because she can't tag me in her stuff anymore. She's like, oh, I, was, I wanted to tag you in a thing I saw. I was like, just just tell me about it. We can we can yeah. meet in real life, mum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just pick up the phone. It's fine, mum. <laughs> yeah. I said, just save them, save them down. When I come and see you, we'll, we'll have a look through your screenshots that you've saved. so So going back to website traffic then what else do you think we could be doing to get more traffic without spending tons of money yeah that without spending tons of money is the is the is the one isn't it because high volume traffic usually comes with high effort or high spend um so 
if we want to drive traffic and we want to do that cost effectively in fact i'll give you a little story because it doesn't necessarily mean we lot we just want to drive lots of traffic we just want to drive the right traffic i recently wrote a piece of content on my website the page was freelance web designer in medway so i'm from rochester in kent which is the region is called medway and um I looked on Ahrefs, which is an SEO tool to give me keyword data, zero results. It, it said no one's searching for this keyword. I didn't believe them. I wanted to trust my gut. So I wrote a post um, all about me being a freelance web designer in Medway. Now it's super relevant for me because I am exactly a freelance web designer in Medway. I didn't expect to get much from it, but I wrote that piece of content. It's about 600 words, not a huge amount of content, but I basically said, hi, I'm Tom, I'm freelance, blah, blah, blah. Um, and this is what I do, this is how I do it. In four weeks, I was page one. In another th three weeks after that, I think it was about two months later, I got my first inquiry from it. And since then, and this has been about eight months, I've had, I think it's eight inquiries and four projects come through just from that one keyword. So that story tells you, create content on your website. So blogging, creating lots of content, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to take a really, really advanced, complicated approach to SEO because I didn't, trust your gut, really, um, and go for the long tail keywords. Like, don't worry about if you're a copywriter and you, you know, website copywriter as a term, like go add the town in or like add in a specific niche that you have or whatever it is that you do. You know, if you're a social media manager, social media managers in, I know, Northampton or social media managers for restaurants, you know, those sorts of keywords and write a post all about that, specifically what you do. Even if that's not your niche, you can write content about being, um, or if you say you have one or two clients in a certain field, you can write about your experience with those two clients of what you think is works for them in their industry, if it's restaurants or something. And that post will get some traction. And if you do that on a regular basis, your site will grow. You'll definitely, you may, you may only attract sort of two or three people from each post per month, but that will then grow. And that is free as part from your own time to, to generate that content. And we don't need lots of clients, do we, as social media marketers? It's not like we need thousands and thousands of hits every day. Yeah. I think since that time I did the Medway page, I've had about 80 visits in in around eight, eight or nine months now. And so that's less than 10 per month. But I've had three clients from it that all did website web yeah. projects. You know, so that's, that's worth over £10,000 for me. I ended up on Google Search Console the other day for my business by accident I was meant to be looking at ours mm. and because I literally don't give my website any attention I thought oh let me just go and see what queries people are putting in and people are putting in and finding me I can't remember exactly but it had Bromsgrove which is the town I'm in in there it was social media manager Bromsgrove I can't remember exactly and that was how people were finding me only a couple but the point being like I am not uh, and never have been a freelancer who focuses purely on my local area and generally, if anything, um, would prefer not to work with people who are particularly local to me. But at the end of the day, if people are going to search that and you, you are OK with working with people local to you, then you should find a way to make sure those keywords are on your website. Because I think people do think that their freelancers should be local to them, don't they? They prefer to think they're working with someone mm. local you know, from a physical perspective. But you know, whether you actually have to meet with them is a whole different, obviously, conversation. Yeah. Well, a lot of businesses that are typically considered local businesses, so that's things like trade, retail, restaurants, um, a lot of those businesses the owners or the the people that run their businesses their mindset is not the same as ours and we have to realize that no. so their mindset is not remote it's not digital it's not 
they're not set up in there, even just in their mind, to think about working with someone all over the country. Their default yeah. position as like if you're a construction company or a, or a gardening company or a restaurant, their default mindset is me and my local area because that's what they do for their business. It's my audience is in this area, so therefore I need to find someone. They're not even thinking about like the, you say, oh, you're in Southeast and you work with someone in Scotland. They'd be like, why would I do that? I need to find someone near me. So there are hundreds of freelancers that you have no idea exist that are making a killing just by serving their local area. They don't use social media. They don't use any other tactic, but they get found in their local area and they get plenty of clients through it. I know people, you know, that they don't use social media for their business. Not that I think you shouldn't. I think it's great. I love social media and it's how I, how I kind of market my business. But there are ways, there are plenty of ways to drive traffic to your site without spending hundreds and thousands of pounds. And have you got any quick tips on how you can convert that traffic into a lead? Mm. Yeah, my big thing is all about trust and reassurance. So one of the things, there's two two mindsets that people are in during an inquiry process or during a consideration phase, if you like. The first is inspiration. And we do that quite well, naturally. We inspire people with, um, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is what I can do for your business, aren't we great? This is the services I provide. These are the things that we can do. Um, look at our case studies, aren't they great? Um, imagine yourself in this future state, if you like, and imagine yourself um, a few months from now where you're you're achieving the same things. And that's a really big, important part of it. So you do need to have that, you know, inspiring, you know, have case studies. You need to have plenty of um, top level testimonials to say how great it was to work with you and all that sort of thing. And, and they can then imagine themselves, that visitor to your website can imagine themselves in the future achieving the same things. Great. The next bit, and this is the bit that people get don't do as well in is reassurance so it's saying first one the first question they're asking in their mind is how good could this be how good could it be if i work with this person and you're telling them this is how good it could be the next bit is you need to reassure them that it's not going to be wrong so you say um for example they they're asking in their mind what are all the ways that this could be bad what are all the ways that this could be wrong and so the way you give them confidence and trust is that you explain your process really clearly you be completely transparent. You outline the next steps of working with you. You make sure that you're consistent and there are no errors on your website. If you see a number of errors, clunky buttons or misspellings or anything like this, it all chips away at that trust factor and it chips away at your perception of you. And they aren't going to come to you if they don't feel confident in you. And so it's about making sure that you're increasing trust. So get on video, put a video on your website introducing yourself. If you're a freelancer, say, hello, this is me. I'm a real person. This is my office. This is my environment. Um, I'd love to talk to you. That increases that trust. And there's no quicker way to shortcut that like, know, and trust factor than getting on video and presenting yourself to that person and saying, what about it? Use real pictures, not stock photos. Make sure that things like, you know, don't hide stuff. So if you have like a cancellation policy or something like that, like make it easy to find say i'm totally honest if you don't like my service this is how you can stop using it or these are the terms of working together and if you don't like that that's fine you can cancel anytime you like there's no lengthy contracts or whatever it is that it might be give that person the confidence to to make that inquiry and not feel a bit like mm, we're wary of you that's that's probably the easiest way without getting into loads of data and analytics and all of that sort of stuff that's going to be the way to do it love that yeah that's brilliant. We need to go and look at our website and make sure we do all of that. Let's go mm. record a video. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it, it is true though, isn't it? There's lots of, um, I think, freelancers who 
that the perception is not for any fault of their own necessarily is that people think they're part of an agency maybe it's how they're they've named their business and actually that can put people off some people are looking for freelancers they don't want to work with agencies so actually if you make sure that it's really obvious that it is just you and you are this freelancer and you're a normal person and you can get that personality across especially if they're coming to your website cold because you've now put all your keywords in and people are coming to Mm. you and haven't followed you on socials having just a simple video on there or ways to make you it obvious that you're just a normal person mm. is such a good tip really and probably something that most people would forget yeah that's such a good point you've made actually which is the difference in the stage that types of traffic will come to your website so people if you, you're right if you're getting lots of people from search engines and they don't have an existing relationship with you your website has to work harder for you so a lot of people rely on their social media presence and then they say oh my website's doing fine um Yes, that's true because your social media is doing all the hard work for you and your website is really just an inquiry mechanism or a backup sort of a legitimacy test. But if you are generating traffic from people who are cold, who've never heard of you before, you have to make sure that your website is doing the job that your social media was doing for those people. So it's that yeah. getting to know the real you, you know, putting yourself out there, being clear, getting getting a bit of like, you know, and trust factor going on with videos and real pictures and, you know, all of that. So, yeah, that's a really, really good point. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so many little nuggets i need to listen back to this one with a notebook yeah, this mm. has been a really good episode <laughs> anything that we've missed yeah so this is a this is an idea i had i haven't implemented this idea but i think it's a really good one which is um in order to get across that sort of reassurance piece is i had this idea where you could ask a friendly client or two to jump on a zoom call with you record it and just chat about your experience of working together just really informally, this is my client, this is what we did together. So it's a really nice way of having having a friendly case study rather than this very formal, this is the brief, this is the actions we took, these are the results. It's like people are a bit bored of that, I think, and the people are a little bit like, I'm not going to like trawl through that. But if you see a little like two-minute clip of the freelancer and the client having a laugh together, having a good relationship, being really fair. I'm going to do this myself and I'll share it with you once I've done it. But having that kind of back and forth about what it was, what was it like to work with me? And almost saying like, now tell them how brilliant I am. Like as a joke, like sort of thing, <laughs> putting some stuff in there to say. And, um, and you said, you didn't you say something about your business was totally transformed by working with me? Yes. Yes, you did. Yeah, absolutely. So stuff like that. Um, I think it's just a really good way to add a little bit of entertainment into some of these potentially dry things. We are so used to seeing on like course sales pages and things like that, or membership site sales pages, people will often put videos from their, the buyers, the people who've been through the course, et cetera, but it won't be that back and forth conversation. It'll just be them going on about how amazing the course was. So we are used to seeing that one side, but I think mm. what you're saying by putting you in there as well, we're hearing the result, but we're also seeing what it would be like, who are you that we're going to no. work with? And we're getting to know you as well. I think that's brilliant. I think all yeah, like, social media managers should definitely do that. Because mm. there's three components to any relationship, which is you, which is them, but there's also the relationship. The relationship is its own component. And so if you are separating that you and them, you're missing that third component of the relationship and they have to piece it together themselves. Whereas if you bring them together and you actually watch a conversation between you and your client, then the other potential client is looking at it and going, okay, cool, I can imagine exactly how this might go. That's so good. Let us know how that goes. Definitely want to hear about it. I will. That. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some <laughs> of my clients to uh to record some zooms with me. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. 
So thank you, Tom. This has been so good. So many tips, um, so many little nuggets of advice that people can go and implement. But if they do want to work with you, where is the best place for them to come and find you? Well, I would say my social media, but because I'm a website guy, I guess I should say go and go and have a look at our website. So me and my wife, Ellie, work together. You can go to brandnewnotebook.co.uk um, and links to my LinkedIn and, and socials are there as well if you'd like to connect with me. But you can just search for Tom Garfield on LinkedIn. That's pretty much where I hang out on social media. Also a little bit of Instagram where I make stupid reels, but I'm not sure I want you to go there because you might be put off. <laughs> so yeah, brandnewnotebook.co.uk. That's the name of our business. And definitely go and follow um, Tom on LinkedIn because you do put some really great content on there. I am a bit of a lurker, so don't always comment, but I do often read your posts, I have to say. Oh, thank you. You could click like every now and then, that'd help me. Okay, I'll, I'll try and do that. <laughs> so I hope you took something from that. There were so many great tips and advice. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Scroll down wherever you're listening, tap the five stars if you think we're worth it, and leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think, and we will see you next time. Bye. Ta-ra!